Our text for today comes from Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. All right. Well, welcome to church. It's good to see you today. I just wanted to echo what Ashley was saying. Our egg hunt uh, is going to be beautiful this year. I'm, uh, I'm just saying it. It's going to be in the middle of April. It'll be warm. The grass will be green. I know that's hard to believe right now, uh, but I know the grass is going to be green because my allergies are already kicking in, uh, and I, which is how I know that spring is just around the corner when I start taking Zyrtec like they are lifesavers. All right. So if you are uh, at all able on the Saturday before, uh, before Easter to help us uh, and help us volunteer at our Easter egg hunt, it's just right out here in the front yard. We'd love to have you. So please make that a priority if you haven't already. All right? Okay. We got it. Nailed it. You nailed that one. Um, well, I hope you all had a wonderful spring break. It was a good week for my family and I. We were, uh, I've said it a few times to different people this morning, but we were literally driving all over the known world, uh, which is uh, great and fun, but there's nothing better than being home uh, in your own bed and being here at church with you guys this morning. So uh, I'm excited for that. Today, we are continuing our series that we began two weeks ago called The Road. And basically, what, what this is all about is that we are on the road with Jesus. In Luke's gospel, Jesus uh, is on the road all the time. In fact, from chapter 9 all the way till when he uh, arrives in Jerusalem, there are all the stories of Jesus' interactions are stories that he gives while he is on the road, while he is on the move. And that idea of being on the road with Jesus, I think, is a helpful and healthy analogy for what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to be one of his followers, one of his disciples. We are, in a sense, on the road with Jesus in this life, and we are asking him, as we follow him, to teach us some things. As and one of the things, if not one of the primary things, that I think Jesus wants to teach us when we're on this road of discipleship with him is how to pray. Along the road, Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. Now, some of us may have a negative connotation when we think about prayer as uh, just in general. 
Maybe for you, prayer was something that was uh, stodgy and kind of difficult growing up. For some of us, we have a connotation around prayer that says it's like our vegetables or medicine. It's good for us, but it's, it doesn't taste good going down, right? We don't want to participate. And I want to stand with you in that place and say, yes, I know that feeling as well of, of prayer as a difficulty, as something that can at times be hard. Uh, and prayer specifically for me is something that hasn't always been particularly easy. But Jesus in this passage does not teach his disciples to pray in a way that feels to me like medicine or like vegetables. It seems to me that the way Jesus teaches about prayer in this passage is that it's like a profound journey of growth and discovery. And sometimes how we frame an issue is uh, the most important thing. The writer and pastor Eugene Peterson uh, said that the journey of prayer is like a journey of moving out of our small, cramped little worlds into the wider world of God's kingdom. And I think that that is, a, to a certain extent, what Jesus is teaching about here. So this morning, what I want to invite you to do is simply to imagine that prayer is not an obligation. Prayer is not an obligation. It is rather a kind of invitation. Everything in the kingdom of God is invitational, not obligatory. I believe that God deeply desires for each of us to learn to pray and to grow in prayer, not so that we can become some type of super Christian spiritual guru people, right? Not so that we can accomplish all kinds of great things as if what God really needs from us is our own human effort. Rather, on the journey with Jesus, I think he wants to teach us to pray because he wants us to learn to step into and to live into a larger, a more spacious world he calls the kingdom of God. I'm personally only beginning to learn what this means. But I assure you, I don't want to go back into the, my own cramped little world. None of you are up here, but it's not nice all the time. <laughs> So this morning, I, all I want to do is look at these few passages of Scripture and then simply give us some practical advice that I think Jesus gives us in this passage about learning to pray, and then simply to extend the invita invitation. And hopefully you take Jesus up on his invitation to grow in this discipline, in this spiritual rhythm of prayer. All right? Oh, yeah, we're getting there, aren't we? Slowly but surely. So... Notice, the first thing Jesus wants to teach us in prayer is not a technique. It's not a technique. Rather, he wants to teach us that prayer transforms our perception of God. Prayer transforms our perception of God. And this is the baseline from which Jesus begins his teaching on prayer in this passage, isn't it? Jesus wants to revolutionize our picture of God, actually. And the way he does that is be, when his disciples come to him and they say, teach us how to pray, he begins his prayer with our Father. Our Father. And the central truth that he wants to communicate to them is that God is their Father. He says later... Uh, uh, in verse 11, uh, he, he says, which of your fathers, right, would give you a bad gift instead of a good gift? Again, comparing Jesus to a father. Now, referring to God as a father is not totally unique in Jesus's day, 
God is referenced in the Old Testament as a father 12 or 14 times, but it was by no means common in, in the Jewish imagination of Jesus' day to pray to God as father. That was unique. Most of the time in the Old Testament, when God is referred to Father, He is referred to like the Father of our nation, right? In the same way that we kind of understand that idiom. But Jesus is taking something that was on the the periphery of the Jewish way of understanding God and making it central. And from Jesus forward, for all Christians since Jesus, the primary way we approach God is as a Father. Jesus says, God is your Father. For Jesus, the primary way that that God is to be understood and interacted with is as a Father. And this is revolutionary in His day. And it has some profound implications. And it creates all kinds of issues, doesn't it? Because if God is like a Father, if this is what God is like, that means that the type of dads we actually have had in our own lives affects the way we think about God, doesn't it? You know, one of the things that uh, I, hear, I hear kind of weighed against this idea that God is Father is that God is just like the big, overbearing, patriarchal, bearded guy in the sky. And many of us bring to that imagery a lot of the brokenness of our own experience, don't we? Because none of us in our own lives have had perfect fathers. There was a time, uh, I think it was the third or fourth sermon I ever preached, that this was uh, 20 years ago? Goodness gracious. About 20 years ago. I was, at, it was, I was a freshman. I was home from college, and I went back to my youth group, And I was talking about this idea of God being a father, of God fathering us. And later in the evening, a a girl came up to me with tears in her eyes. And she, as she was crying, she, uh, she said, I don't know my dad. How am I supposed to relate to God as a father? And it's easy for us to see that father language as kind of like an overbearing or controlling or patriarchal image. But honestly, if you, if you pressed me, why do I personally, this is not necessarily in the Bible, but why do I personally think that God chose the moniker of father or the image of father for his people to come to him? I think the main reason he does that is not because he wants to borrow all of the, all of the implications that we have of father, but because he wants to redeem the picture of father that is so broken in so many of our hearts and minds. What better way to heal broken humanity than to heal that figure that has been so difficult and so hurtful for so many you see, many of us, even the one, those of us who have uh, fathers that we admire and that we're generally speaking good, still have to deal with the implications of their imperfection. And as a father myself, right, 
and I struggle with my own imperfection and my, and my, my own foibles that uh, just like find that my own sin, foibles is a nice way of saying sin, that find their way into my children's lives. I, I then have to come to this firm understanding of the fact that God is fathering me in the same way that he is fathering him and he is teaching me about what it means to be a father in the same way, right, that he will hopefully teach them the ways in which he is different than me. You see, I think God wants to revolutionize our vision of authority and fatherhood. I think He wants to redeem the broken parts of our world and all of the ways in which fatherhood has been twisted. As we've seen it in these malshapen ways. But God wants to redeem that. You see, God sees all the ways that your father fell short, all the ways that he got angry. All the ways that he was selfish and overbearing, quick to criticize, not quick to love or give verbal and physical affection. In some ways, whether you had a father in your life or, or not, God wants to redeem that picture in your heart. And so Jesus says, our father. Notice he doesn't say my father. It would make total sense for Jesus to say, my father, right? He is the son of God. He could have kept God all to himself in some special and specific way. And yet, Jesus says, our father. He's on equal footing with us. God loves and relates to us in some sense in the same way that he loves and relates to Jesus. Yes, Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. It's a different thing entirely. But God's love as a father is streaming to us similarly, if not with the same heart that it's streamed towards Jesus. And we have to learn in our lives to reorient ourselves around this vision of God as a father. And one of the great responsibilities, one of the great privileges of prayer is that we get to have our vision of God renewed as we walk this journey of prayer as we learn what it means that God is fathering us, that he is walking beside us, that he is uh, leading us, that he's, that he's uh, speaking words of comfort and encouragement to us. You see, as we go on this journey of prayer, we will come to a fuller understanding of the fact that God is a good father. And Jesus tells us that right from the jump. You see, if we don't have this, our uh, proper understanding uh, in our perception of who God is, prayer will never be what Jesus wants it to be. And because Jesus had a proper perception of who God was and how God functioned as a good father, he was able to be a person of prayer. He was able to pray. And I've known too many people who have struggled with prayer simply because the vision of God that they have in their hearts and in their minds is misshapen. And so just know this morning that God is a good father. He wants you to come. He wants you to sit with him. He wants you to talk to him. He's not too busy. Okay? So that's number one. The second thing this morning that Jesus gives us is a pattern for prayer. Jesus gives us a pattern of prayer in this passage. Notice when the disciples ask Jesus to teach him to pray, he doesn't say, well, just talk to God. Right? Right? Have you ever heard that advice around prayer? Prayer is just talking to God? It is. In many ways, prayer is just talking to God. But I think Jesus knows that we need a path to walk in this journey of prayer as well. 
Prayer can be just talking to God, but it shouldn't always be just talking to God. Because if it's just talking to God without walking the path that Jesus lays out for us in the Lord's Prayer to a certain extent, then we're just going to go off in all kinds of directions. You see, when I was growing up, I thought prayer was just talking to God and that I just had to like sit in one spot and come up with things to say for 45 minutes, right? And then at, then at the end of that 45 minutes, I would, I would be done praying. And what would, I've told you this before, but what would inevitably happen is that at the end of 10 minutes, I would fall asleep, right? Because I had no path in prayer to walk, you see? And Jesus gives us a prayer to walk. I think Jesus knows that we need some kind of structure within which we can pray more effectively. If you simply tell me to pray in five minutes, right? I'm going to be, my mind is going to be wandering all over the place. I'm going to be thinking about what I'm going to have for lunch immediately, right? So while there is no specific set rule for pray or how, how to pray or praying, there is no set rule. There is no overly religious, if you do, there's no, uh, there's no formula, right? Do it this way and then you get the proper results. That's not how it works. Jesus gives us a pattern of prayer, I think, as a grace to us. And as we grow in prayer, I actually believe that we will learn a kind of pattern or structure for prayer. For my own personal devotional life, I have gotten far more structured uh, as time has gone on. I pray in a very structured and rote way. I have uh, blocks where I pray in a less structured and rote way, but, I, but I, I pray in a structured way as a means of keeping my heart and mind focused as I pray. And I find that it's far more edifying for my heart and I am able to pray more effectively. And so a structure for prayer is helpful. And I think in the Lord's prayers, now Luke gives us a kind of abbreviated um, example of the Lord's prayer that in Matthew is a little bit longer and fleshed out. But basically in Jesus' prayer, we are giving up a pattern or some bullet points that can be helpful to follow as we pray. And I have them up on the screen here as a, a pattern for prayer. Could we throw those four up? Are they together? Yes. So here are, I think, the, the, the way in which praying is helpful. And I would encourage you to actually have a notebook. I always pray with a notebook in hand. And I have a printout of my pattern of prayer in the, in the back side of the notebook. And I go through it every day. So if this helps you, then, then you can write this pattern down. If there's another pattern, I, I would encourage you to find that. But, but here is the basic pattern that Jesus lays out for us. First, Jesus gives an address, right? Our Father in heaven. For me, the, the, my daily address of prayer, the thing that helps me to align my heart and tell my mind and my body what I'm about to do is the... Um, and right when, right when I'm going to say it, and it's not in my notes, I forget it. Uh, I say, my, may my soul rise to meet you as the day rises to meet the sun. And then I say, glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. It's just an address, right? It's just something that rightly aligns my heart as I begin to pray. It's just an address, but an address is very important. And maybe your address is simply my Father in heaven. It's a beautiful address. It rightly aligns your heart behind the that uh, there is, a, there is a, a, a time in each of our prayers when, where we can petition God, where we can unload our hearts before our God. It's important that we do this, right? It's important that the things that weigh heavy on us are brought to God in prayer. 
Maybe this is the place where you have that list of your, all your family members that you've been praying for in the world, right? I, I don't know what it is that will be on your heart, but there is a place uh, in our praying lives that is meant, is supposed to be set out for petition or intercession. And I think Jesus would encourage us to do that. And the final thing, and this might sound a little strange, the final point that I think is important is that we pray for grace. Jesus, Jesus says this when he says, lead us not into temptation, Right? that we pray for grace. We need to pray for grace because we need always to be reminded that we do not walk through this life on our own steam. Rather, we learn to depend on the grace of God. And by praying for grace, by praying that God would lead us not into temptation, by praying that we would learn to depend more and more on the grace and love of God in our daily lives, what it actually does is it rightly aligns our hearts behind that fact. And we don't walk into our day, I'm assuming morning prayer here, but we don't walk into our day going, I'm going to take on the world. Everybody's going to bow down before me or something, right? We walk into our day going, God, I'm, I'm humbly dependent on your grace and love. This is the place where I'm at. I humbly depend upon your grace and love, and I know that all good gifts flow from you. And so I, um, I lay down my agenda, and I lay down uh, my thoughts about how this day should go, and I just humbly depend on your grace today. It's a beautiful way to end a time of prayer. You see, God wants you to learn to live in these unforced rhythms of his grace and his provision and his goodness. And so that's a, that's a part of prayer. You see, the, the, the truth is, is that this is a very simple little pattern of prayer, but it's important that you find one. It's important that you find one. There's all manner of different patterns of prayer. Christians have put them together for um, forever. But uh, whatever you find is helpful, I would encourage you to actually find a pattern of prayer, some, some way in which you pray almost every day. And it can change over time. That's fine. But these patterns help us to give us rhythm and purpose. It actually helps us that when we wake up in the morning or in the evening and when, or at lunchtime or whenever it is you pray, that you know what you're about to walk into, Right? There's this sense in which a, uh, the table has been set for you when you have a pattern of prayer and you know how to walk or how to pray in those grooves that, you've, that, you've, that have set through time. You see, Jesus was intentional about prayer, but I do not think that he was willy-nilly about it. I think he was prepared. I think he was intentional. And he's teaching his disciples to pray this prayer in an in a intentional and prepared type of way. So we should be too. Okay? That's the practical piece for this morning. And the third thing I want to talk about this morning from this passage is what kinds of prayers does God answer? What types of prayers does God answer? This is the magic bullet, right? If we can just get the answer to this question, my goodness, everything would be right where we needed it to be, right? Everything would be perfect. If I just knew what God, what prayers God answered or whose prayers God answered, right? We could just go to that individual and tell them everything that I need, and then that person would pray, and then I'd get everything I want, and it'd be awesome. But Jesus does tell us what kind of prayers God answers in this passage of Scripture. Can you believe it? He tells us. In verse 13, he says this, If you then, uh, if you then though you are evil, know how to get good, get good, give excuse me, good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who seek him? Huh. 
You see, Jesus goes through this whole, th- this whole passage about ask, seek, and knock, right? And, uh, and, keep, you know, and he gives this parable about the, uh, about the person who's knocking on this door, who's, who's persistent in their knocking and in their praying. And we think, I think in, in, inherently, we think that this is about like God doing the things we want him to do, right? But at the end of this passage, Jesus makes quite clear that this whole thing was about uh, the Father giving the Holy Spirit to those who ask, giving his personal presence to those who ask. Sometimes we misconstrue this passage to mean that God is like a grandfather that just kind of wants to like give Werther's originals out every time you ask for something, right? I had a great-grandfather who actually gave Werther's originals. I don't know if he did it because he thought he was supposed to, because he believed that that's what grandfathers do, or it was just a happy coincidence, and he was one of those Werther's originals grandfathers. But I'll take it. Either way, it's a great story and a great memory, even though I don't like those candies. I hope that's not bad. You see, what God is willing to give in abundance, and if the band could come up, that'd be great. What God is willing to give in abundance is his presence. A prayer that God is happy to answer, a prayer that God will answer in abundance, is a prayer for more of his presence, for more of his love, for more of his goodness. You see, too often we believe that prayer is a kind of magic incantation that we pray over our lives that gives us the things that we want. And Jesus centers his teaching on prayer in Luke 11, not on the acquisition of all of the things that our hearts desire other than him. Jesus centers his teaching on prayer on us getting more of God. And the truth is that this is what prayer is meant to do. More than anything, God is meant, the prayer is meant to help us get more of God, to rest more comfortably in his kingdom, to experience him in our daily lives in a more personal way, to walk through this life in a way that is more connected to his goodness and his grace. You see, there is nothing, nothing about this this passage that is more true, is more true that we, that, than that we serve a good father, who that when we ask, will give us more of himself. You see, I'm a dad, and my children ask me for a lot of stuff. They ask me to play, they ask me for treats, they ask me for all manner of things. And if I'm having a good day, I will create space and time for them, right? in my, as I go about my busy day. If I'm having a bad day, I'm I'm not as good at creating space and time for them. I struggle in that way. It's harder to play Legos when you feel like you need to fix the fence or something. But God the Father is not like me. You see, when we, his children, ask to spend time with him, he is never too busy. He never has to work on the house. He's never got work to do. He will always sit with us on the floor and build blocks or whatever analogy you want to use. You see, God is close. He's as close to us as we want him to be. 
And when we ask the Father to give us his spirit, his presence, he is happy to oblige. You see, when you come to, when you come to God asking for more of him, you can be assured that he's going to answer that prayer. Amen? So, as we close today, would you stand with me? And if you're in this place and you're feeling maybe that like God is a little distant, maybe you haven't felt his presence or his love for a little while, maybe you've just been busy or you've been running and you haven't been thinking about this. Today, if you want, God is waiting for you to ask him to spend some time with you. He's waiting for you to ask him to come sit with you. And so this morning, I want to lay out a little bit of time just for us to ask God for a little bit more of his presence in our lives this morning. The band's going to sing a little bit, and we're going to pray. And just in the quietness of your heart, just pray if you want to. Lord, would you give me more of your presence? May I have more of your Holy Spirit, more of your love, more of your grace in my life. And then we'll sing this song through. And we'll Let's pray together. sins and that you made a way for us to be near you. 
Father, we just pray, God, that you would reform our vision, that you would continue to do that work of helping us to get a clear picture of your character and of your heart. Would we be drawn to prayer, not because, not out of some sense of obligation, not out of some need, not of out of some religious compulsion, but simply out of a kind of simple trust, a simple desire to be near you? Would you help us, God, to step into prayer, not as a place of getting God, but of a place of receiving more of your spirit? And as we go from this place today, God, would you send us out in rejoicing, knowing that we go in the grace of God. We have nothing more to do. We have nothing more to earn. We have nothing more to strive for because everything we need has already been given to us in the person of Jesus. We love you, Jesus. And we ask that you would help us to love you more. We pray it all in your name. Amen. Go today in the grace and in the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, amen. Have a great day.